and we're on. Yeah. All right. What's the date? It is uh, April 24th, and this is the first recording of Dash podcast. The Dash cast. Something like that, yeah. So, um, yeah. Sweet. All right. Welcome to the Dash podcast. My name is David Alvarez. I've been a student and junkie of personal growth and self-development over the last eight years. I've decided to host a podcast where I can share what I've learned and continue to learn through interviews of successful people along with a group of other people that are looking to maximize their Dash. Now, you might be asking yourself, what exactly does the Dash stand for in Dash podcast? A few years back, I heard a poem by Linda Ellis that talked about how after we die on our tombstone, we all have a date of birth and a date of death separated by a dash, and that dash represents our life. That poem got me thinking about my own dash and how every day I have an opportunity to maximize it. Through that lens, I have searched for habits, tips, tricks, insights, and proven methods to help ensure that I maximize my dash every day. Join me in learning more through the Dash Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Jamie Adair. He's a longtime friend. He's a father. He's a husband. He's worked in church, currently in real estate. He's brewed beer, and he's even mastered the art of chicken tying. Jamie has had several transitions in his life, and I've been able to witness him through those. Uh, Throughout those transitions, he has remained positive, optimistic. He has been able to be successful in all areas of his life. Uh, I've seen Jamie grow around his habits um, and systems, and I believe those habits and systems that he's been able to implement in his life have really helped him. So that's what we're going to talk to Jamie about today. Uh, For the first five questions to kind of kick off the podcast, Jamie, I'll let you take a minute to introduce yourself, fill in the gaps I missed, and then I'm going to launch into those five questions. Fantastic. Well, uh, David, like he said, we've been friends for years. Um, I think one of the best memories that I have of David and his family, um, not just really, you know, his amazing wife and great kids, um, but moreover, the amount of uh, love and uh, compassion that they showed me during one of my transitions. Uh, I was invited to a uh, pig roast and that was just after my transition was starting to be made and uh, it was one of the kindest, most generous gifts a gringo could ever get. Um, it was it was really a, a memorable moment for me and I think that's just a symbol and a sign of the culture and the kind of people that they are. Um, and. And you just want to be around that. And I always joke that David is King David because everything he touches turns to gold. I'm just glad that now he's able to start uh, reaping some of the financial rewards for that. Um, but I too have seen David do tons of growth and um, now he's been able to take some great steps. So <coughs> um, yeah, again, we've done lots of groups together, lots of things. And uh, um, this is, uh, is going to be a fun journey. So I'm glad. I, I was stoked that he asked me to be a you know, one of his firsties. Yes, yeah, for sure. No, I, I definitely think, uh, like I said, when I think about people that have put together some of the things, we hear a lot of stuff, we listen to podcasts, we listen to books, um, but very few of us actually implement what we're learning, and uh, that's one of the things you've taught me. I've seen you do it, and you've encouraged me to do it as well, so that's why I thought of you as uh, one of the first. So, all right, the five questions that we'll launch into. Uh, number one, best advice you have ever received? So 43 years old, it's kind of hard to survey 
all 43 years. I'm sure some gems have come along uh, in the process, but the one that I'm really enjoying now is an open hand. Uh, when you have control and responsibility over something, uh, you you have to do things, right? Mm -hmm. um, your sales numbers, your family, that sort of stuff. When you have a closed hand, you try and control everything and try and control the outcome. When you have an open hand, that means that you are in a place where um, you are okay with the outcome knowing that you did the best you could. And uh, sometimes stuff's out of your control, like literal, like just things happen, life happens. Um, but that piece has been a really good nugget to hang my hat on to know that I can control a certain I can contribute a certain amount to my family, my wife, my relationships, my work. But at the end of the day, there are other people involved. And if they don't choose to go on the journey, that's okay. So okay. that's the open hand concept. All right. Awesome. And was that from experience or advice that you've... No, that was advice you? I was given. In fact, uh, ironically, my uh, the, the church that's part of this transition question, well, two, two transitions... Um, one of the theories that came from North Point, one of the largest churches in North America, um, you know, they said we have an open hand. So basically your job is never really secure mm -hmm. there and not in a bad way, but in a way that says maybe we'll move you to something that's a better fit. So don't hold on so tightly to something and put your identity in it because it really comes down to your identity. Hey, I'm the top salesman. Hey, I'm the top this. I'm the best that. But in reality, maybe you need to be moved into management, right? Yeah. And you hold that role loosely because your function can change, but your value as a person and who you are doesn't. Okay. Awesome. All right, good. Question number two, looking back at your life, how much of your wins and successes do you believe uh, have come from luck and how much of it has come from your skills? That's a darn tricky question. Um, you know what? It's kind of funny. What informs me on that is uh, the book um, called uh, Wags the Dog by Malcolm Gladwell. I, I butchered the title, but it's a, that Gladwell book. And he uh, also covered a bunch of it in The Outliers as well. Okay. Yep. And the whole theory about the 10,000 hours is how long you need to master something. Mm -hmm. um, but Malcolm also presents that there are certain things that are outside of our control. And the best example was um, like a Bill Gates who had access to one of the first computers ever in the mm. world with the cards. He he couldn't create that. That was provided for him. Yeah. However, he's the one who went in and did his 10,000 hours. Yeah. Right. And to, to work on that expertise and that skill, that, that type of thing. So um, the the short answer is I think it's a blending of both. Um, and, play, and the luck is sometimes placing yourself in an environment where luck happens. The people who continue to do and try have better luck than those who don't. Okay. Very good. Uh, number three, best book, and what did you get from it? Ooh, woohoo! So I was a big audiobooker, and right now I'm in an audiobook stage. But for a while, I realized I could do a lot better if I was um, reading paper books. Mm -hmm. One of the paper books that I read that was really not a not a picture book, you know, <laughs> a paper book. Right. Um, was uh, two of them. One was What Got You Here Won't Get You There, which I had a love hate relationship with it, and then the other one that has really caused a lot of deep inner growth is um, by Hawkins, uh, not the not the uh, the spiritualist, not the uh, the guy who invented the universe, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's called letting go, letting go, letting go, 
and that is a deep, deep spiritual. It's, it's not even spiritual like it's got to be Christian or Buddhist or anything like that. It's more along the lines of how we as humans like to try to hold on, keep control. Uh, when we lose loved ones, we lose life, that sort of thing. We're forgetting that this is all temporal anyway. Mm-hmm. Why fight the the life and death, right? Yep. It's going to either live or die, whatever it is. Also, things in that book cover, um, you know, we try and force relationships to work. We try and force somebody to love us. Mm-hmm. We try and fit it in a certain mold. And at, at times, we need to let go of those false expectations because then in the letting go process, more happens than what we were originally expecting anyway. Okay. Which reminds me of one of the uh, Jamie Dailies that you put out not too long ago. Yeah. I think a couple of them you've... Uh... It informs a lot of yeah. where I'm at, for sure. For me, I... Uh, Gosh, that came up right there, that little something. Mm-hmm. Uh, God gave me a man. That sounds really weird. But <laughs> he gave me a pastor who uh, I thought for sure um, was uh, was easily figured out. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had me figured out long before uh, I figured us out. And uh, I think Justin um, Grudewald uh, mm-hmm. came from North Point and started uh, pastoring our little church here, uh, which is also part of the transition story. Um, mm-hmm. He... He believed in me when he had nothing to gain, and he still invested in me even when uh, I was not worthy to be invested in. And that commitment, uh, quite frankly, it changed our family, our wow. entire family. Wow, that's that's awesome. Uh, I listened I somewhere recently uh, where they, the person that was talking had talked about uh, that people make an impact on our lives but there's very often that we don't tell them. Uh, any of these three people that you've mentioned, well, really four people that you've mentioned, have you um, sat down and, and told them uh, how much of an impact they made in your life? So this is top secret information right here. <laughs> that's good. I'm glad you followed up with that. And I uh, okay. hope that's in, uh, in your future mm-hmm. ones too. Yeah. So Kirk Dana has received the Ninja Award. For those of you who don't know, most of you guys know, but uh, for those of you who don't know, I created an award for people who are uh, silent uh, experts, silent geniuses in their field that uh, have humility as the base of uh, where they're at. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they just do their profession, whatever their profession is. Uh, I have a team leader in real estate who's been on the list, a mortgage guy that's on the list, um, a youth pastor, um, humanitarian, uh, faith-based humanitarian. Um, and most recently, uh, I have the script ready, and I was pr- ready to present Justin mm, with wow. the fifth award. Um, I think it's five, five or six now. Um, and he was actually going to get, or is going to in time, he's going to get the award called the Humble Ninja Award. Humble Ninja. Because he embodies the very essence of what the award is about. Wow. For a long time, I thought, man, this guy is awesome, but I don't know how to uh, recognize mm-hmm. what he is or who he was or, you know, like yeah. what, what, what that is. Because it's not like a title, like, hey, you're the best pastor ever when our church is still this small or whatever. Like, it was always like a weird fit. Right. And then one day I just said, wait a minute, this guy does the very thing that this award is about, the essence of it. And so why not give him the uh, essence of the award? So I had it ready. Wow. And it's not printed. It was, go- I was like going to the printer. And then um, through some conversations, I realized that now was really not the best time to give it to him, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in transition. So that's basically a hook to keep you listening. <laughs> awesome. Good. All right. Uh, and the fifth and final question. Uh, what was the last bucket list item you've crossed off and what's the next one on the horizon? We went to New York. We wanted to take the boys um, and... It was, they were finally old enough and they had watched enough Impractical Jokers. 
and they finally said, yeah, we want to go. Not just like in a kid way, I want to go out of town, but like <clears throat> New York had meaning and value to them. Yeah. And so we went, I, I don't know how much money we spent on stupid bagels, you know, yeah. <laughs> pizza, you yeah. know, street food. It's all garbage nowadays. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was really awesome. It was. Cool. Uh, the next step on the horizon, uh, I didn't know that I would have put it in a bucket list, mm -hmm. but uh, Carly has come on to start working with me. And right now we're at a granule stage of her role, meaning like she does a lot of very base level stuff that probably somebody who's a $6 an hour person could do, but she does it so well that um, a $6 an hour person could never do. Like she is that on top of it. And yeah. where we'll go next is getting her operating where it's not hand to mouth. A lot of the stuff right now is hand to mouth to me because yeah. we're just jiving together. No problems working together. It's trying to figure out, okay, We've now got me to a place where I'm doing twice or three times the volume I did last year in monthly volume. So that's great. However, to really build a business, we've got to go another click up from that. And mm -hmm. that's that's where I kind of see the next piece. Now, that's just business. Um, there's a lot of stuff with the boys and things like that we're working on um, just to figure out what those next steps are. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's a piece of the pie because I can't always just be what I'm doing right now. There's another level to that. Um, if I could teach other people to, to do the kind of business I do, I'd feel pretty good. And yeah. she can help me get to that stage. Great. All right. That, uh, and yes, I've jumped out of an airplane. <laughs> there you go. During right. my transition. <laughs> so those are the, uh, the, the five questions. Uh, so hopefully everybody now who um, doesn't know Jamie knows a little bit more about Jamie, who he is, and part of the reason why he's uh, one of the interviewees for, for the podcast. Um, so as I said at the beginning, some of the things that stood out to me with Jamie and the reason I wanted to, to interview him was um, around systems, habits, uh, transitioning, and then just overall any, anything else that he has, any other wisdom or nuggets he wants to share. Um, around the systems and habits, uh, Jamie has, um, uh, again, he'll talk about the transition a little bit, but. Uh, He's transitioned and through that transitioning, he's had to create all new systems, all new habits. Uh, I think he's had to do some trial and error and there's some things that I think are really working well for him today. Uh, so habits and systems, there's a lot of books out there about them. That's something I'm passionate about and I think it really does. If we get the right ones in place, it can uh, make a huge impact in our lives and in all of the seven key life accounts. Um, but Jamie, if you can just take a minute to kind of talk through maybe some of the systems or habits that you've put in and, and uh, how you were able to get those started because that's the hardest part. Indeed. <clears throat> um, I think the foundation for understanding why a system is important is knowing your why. Everybody's seen that uh, office space. Office space? Uh -huh. uh, it's an office space where the guy says uh, uh, about the TPS reports, oh, turning yeah. in the TPS reports. So that's like a system you know, that has zero meaning to anybody, right? right. You just have to do it. And so for me, I, uh, with my case of raging ADD, I would never want to have a system that I'm involved with that's just because. It's mm -hmm. got to have meaning to it, right? Yep. So um, my ADD, medicated or not, uh, is a blessing and a curse all at the same time. Uh, I can come up with stuff that nobody's ever thought of, and then at the same time, I can move on to a whole other thing uh, while other people are still stuck back at, at uh, you know, start. Um, in order to be successful and not, um, 
not end up like a lot of my other ADD counterparts. I had to have systems. If you put me on a good system that I believe in, I can crush it. I do really well because it's methodic and you don't have to think about it. An ADD person is smarter than your average person in population. We all believe that, by the way. It's a secret <laughs> thing. Um, not we all, all the ADD people do. Um, it's because our mind moves so fast. The problem is we got to bring others with us, right? Mm -hmm. In the systems piece, it allows us to have rails to get the deeds done, whatever the deeds are, and then our mind can be in a different place still growing. That is why it has tremendous success with us. Now, my best example this is going to sound really stupid, mm -hmm. but best example when I first realized the system and how valuable it was is when I was tying chickens at CR Chicks in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. I became the second fastest chicken tire the restaurant ever had in its history, ever. Now they don't even tie anymore, so I feel like a dinosaur. <laughs> but you load four, five chickens on the skewers. You like uh -huh. Boston Market, that kind of okay, thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, you got to keep the chickens on there so as they rotate around the spit, right. they can cook evenly, right? Right. So you throw all the chickens on. So we had a staff that would put the chickens together. And then all I did, my whole job, I would come in and I would tie... It would be on the slow days, 12 cases of chickens on the busy days, like 46 cases. And each case had like, I don't know, 48 or 52 chickens in it. Right. Wow. So the, the skewers were already laid out and lay them on the, the sink. And then you go around the wings, fold, come down around the legs, come right. back up, tie a knot, tie a knot. Right. That's one. Then you do five whole chickens, mm -hmm. throw the skewer down, get the next one. I could do that in 32 seconds. Wow. Yeah. I went back when I was in college after I retired my chicken career uh -huh. and uh, the the people that were working in there who had taken over the job, um, I went in to visit and the, the boss is like, hey, why don't you go ahead and tie one for old time's sake? I said, okay. So he knew it was about to happen. So I went in there, I, it probably took me 40 seconds or whatever. And all the, all the, uh, the staff looked over and they go, James, <laughs> it's like legendary, yeah, but so it was because it was methodic, it was rhythmic, it was no thought in it, it was just right. go. Now anybody can adopt that, that's important, yeah. but it allowed my mind to go to a different place. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's why the system's important. Uh, second is it's gotta have meaning behind it, which is what we covered a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I've also created systems currently in my, my current career that mirror my life. Uh, David's really big on planners and um, mm -hmm. you know buying the best, coolest, newest. Um, I, I would love to have that as an option. I'm just so weird that I have to create my own. I cre I've come up with that lately. I've used others in the past, it just didn't work. I literally create my own page in my planner and then I use digital to complement it. And then um, it's all built around what I need to do, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, Boomtown, which is a CRM. Um, phone calls, client meetings, things like that. And then I give myself a score at the end of it. Um, I'm not really great right now at giving myself the total score, but I write it down so that one day I can go back and look at how good I've been doing. Right. But it gives me a pattern to run on. And by having that, it, my life is totally different. Uh, my day is the most successful when it's scheduled. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that Carly's been great at because she'll monitor the schedule. I'll get text in and I don't even know things have happened. And she says, by the way, 15 minutes, you got to be across town. Go. Wow. It's great because the system's set up. Yeah. Like she is part of that system now. And that's the other thing. We're not always alone. We have to have others helping us. When we think we can do it alone, we are a cog in our own wheel of success. That's, that's a nugget there. Good. No, so that's awesome. So you, you shared a little bit about uh, some of the nuggets I took from systems was you have to know your why. You have to believe in it. Uh, I think it's a good point about it provides rails for you. Um, so you've been able to uh, successfully implement systems. 
uh, what about um, some of the habits that you've been able to to create? I know, uh, I think the Jamie Daly. This is probably what number. 13, 14, I think maybe, yeah, maybe uh, it might be that. 15. It's yeah, close. it might be 15 already. So, so you've now successfully done this 15 consecutive days. Uh, you know, some people may think, well, 15, that's not a lot, but, but to do it every morning for 15 mornings, um, you've been able to, to, I think, impact people. I've been with you a couple different occasions where someone's made a comment about um, the Jamie Daly. So something that you implemented, uh, how did you kind of talk to us about how you built that habit uh, into your morning or into your routine? So uh, compliments to Joe Stump uh, through Buy Referral Only. He had um, uh, a little program in there where it talked about um, basically how you structure your day, what's important about your day, and, and really he introduced the scorecarding system. Um, I just filled in what it was uh, for, for me in my life. Uh, one of them I realized, <clears throat> so in real estate, people will call you all the time. It doesn't matter what hour of the day, they'll call you. So I, I realized that I'm on the couch with my wife and kids, it's 10 o'clock at night and I'm still doing business. So I kinda got a chip on my shoulder and I said, I'm not going to answer the phone till 10 in the morning because I'm working so late at night. This is mm -hmm. stupid. Like, yeah. where's my off time? So I set my phone to not receive calls to go on silent uh, until mm -hmm. 10 o'clock. But I realized I was losing parts of my day. So if I got up at 8.30, kids left the house, then I started my morning ritual, you know, well, it's noon by the time I'm actually going with the world. Yeah. So I realized I need more time in the day. So now I get up at about 5.45, uh, make the coffee. It's a bully coffee. Um, get dressed, go out to the pier, uh, for, uh, I'm not gonna tell you which pier cause I don't need y'all to come mess up my <laughs> flow. And then, um, uh, do either, uh, I've been listening to a little praise lately. That's been helpful. Okay. Fun. Uh, some audiobook stuff. Um, if I have a paper book, I'll read that too. And then, uh, and then I'll do my Jamie daily out there because I'm already in that contemplative clear mind, you know, mindset and yeah. my phone won't ring and screw up the, the Facebook live. Yeah. Cause if you do it in the middle of the day, yeah, yeah, there's things happening yeah, all around you yeah. everywhere. So here's what's interesting about your habits. This is probably going to be the most important thing I'm going to tell you. The habits you keep are the ones that are rewarded, okay? The reason why the Jamie Daly, and by the way, Jamie Daly is only that because of David, but it's because David knows me as Jamie. If you've been in business with me and have not known me a long time, you know me as James. So that'll be an interesting paradigm that uh -huh. if you're in the club, you know me as Jamie. So David said and uh, put in a save file once, or the first day or second day, yeah. about, hey, this is good content. And then he gave it a name. So you name something, that's mm. got value. And then two, um, you get rewarded from it. Well, David saying it was just enough reward for me to try it again just to see. Sometimes I come up with some of the most genius things in the world. I'll send out the marketing on it. I'll spend a strong $7 on Facebook. And they'll be like, this sucks. Nobody filled out the stupid form, right? If you're gonna do anything, you gotta fund it, right? Mm -hmm. You gotta really pay some money, like more than a couple hundred bucks, right? Mm -hmm. So I got tons of those little experiences that never got rewarded. Well, Jamie Daly's started getting more people having conversations offline. And I had no idea that people were really watching it that much until they started having conversations. Yeah. And you figure if I only had 15 of these things and I have conversations already, yeah. then that means it's working. Yep. And working in that case, the quantification of that is that people are engaging with what it is interpersonally and they think enough to say something offline. Most of the post, nobody will write inside the feed. And I have to give myself permission to let go of that immediate feedback 
because sometimes it's too deep or too vulnerable for people to put out for friends they don't know, even though it's in a private group. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, re- I realized that because there were a number of people. I'm like, why don't you post? They're like, I'm not going to tell anybody that. Yeah. I realize it's just too personal. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, that's, again, a great habit that you've, uh, I think, put out there. Um, and the biggest part of the habit is getting it started. So you, the habit loop is a trigger, a routine, a reward. So your trigger sounds like is you're, you're getting up at 545-ish in the morning. Um, you then launch into the next thing. Uh, and your reward is now you're actually uh, getting feedback, positive feedback. You're having good conversations, and you're putting things out there that I think are helping people. So. Very cool. Um, one of the things I did want to go back on before we talk about transitioning is you had talked about, Joe Stump, you talked about a scoring system, the custom planner. Can you just uh, dive in a little bit deeper onto that? I'm familiar with it, but for those that aren't, if you could just share. Yeah, so um, uh, Joe Stump took from a couple different sources, but I think his main inspiration was from the CrossFit world and how everything is measured by, you know, pull-ups or whatever, and then you write it on the board, and the sense of competition keeps people going inside of that world. Well, what he said is, uh, why don't we just change that and, you know, and put the things that matter most, the five essential things that you need to do during the day, you know, um, your morning routine, uh, your evening bedtime ritual, um, making uh, communication with uh, strangers, and then uh, talking to people inside of your sphere, your circle. And then you're supposed to write down and score all these things. And so that was the card that he had come up with. And then for me, it was a matter of adapting it to my entire world rather than just that one segment. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. And so you score, so so again, for those not... Oh, uh, and I have different values for each. Okay. So like, for example, uh, you can get yourself, and it depends on what your role is, there's some things that are not as valuable to you in your role than other things. So your boss may ask you to do 10 tasks. And of those 10 tasks, two of them are the things that actually make a difference in your job and the other ones are just TPS reports, garbage, right? So in my world, I give a different value for when I do things that earn me better money or bring me closer in relationship, okay? Mm -hmm. So writing handwritten notes to me is the most valuable thing I do in my entire business. It does not bring me money, it brings me meaning. That's Mm -hmm. huge. Two, and I've started seeing lots of other people start doing it, lots, five. But five people, Doing that is such a uh, emotional change in them and in their next step that it's worth it all day long. Yeah. Um, sorry, there was another piece to that. So you were going into, so you added some values to it, but basically for those that, that aren't familiar with it, so you do kind of like a check mark, check box, you're, you're saying, okay, I, I did this activity, and then those are uh, worth points, and so you add up the points to know how you did for the day. Yeah, so if I send 10 blind texts to potential buyers or sellers, that gets me one point each, right? Or if I'm Facebook, doing my Facebook stuff, if I comment on somebody's post, that gets me one point. If I send them a private message talking about something from their post, that gets me five points. If I have a conversation, an initial consult with a buyer or a seller, that gets me 20 points. Because that earns me money, period. Yeah. And yeah. if I don't have any of those for a couple of weeks, I'm gonna be starving in you know two months, Yeah. right? So those value propositions are where you put the most return and you say okay I had 81 text messages today or I can have two conversations with a seller I think I'm gonna do that yeah or vice versa you get the points or the, mm-hmm. the math on it yeah yeah so uh, that uh, reminds me that we the quote that uh, you can't manage what you don't measure so you're measuring uh, your activities daily 
um, which is creating habits, right? And then also uh, something I heard before too is that if you think about life in general, every year you have 365 games. And so now if you're keeping score, you know um, how many of those games did you win? <clears throat> And how many games did you uh, maybe not win, but you learned from them? So, so I think that's key. Keeping track, keeping scores is really important. So the score thing, and some of you may fall into this. I fell into it, and I, um, I only realized it after I changed the behavior why I was doing it. That makes sense? Yeah. I didn't want to be measured for two re well, for one reason, really. The narrative I told myself is that it boxes me in, and I don't want to be boxed in. That's the narrative. The truth that I discovered is that if I was measured, I could tell if I was winning or losing. And that means you're, you're, you're a, allowing a self-judgment and you're allowing um, other people to judge, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, don't judge me, bro, or don't measure me, bro, right? That sort of thing. What I've come to realize is that um, when you allow shame to be attached to that measurement, you're in a dangerous spot. Just let the measurement be what it is. Because shame, shame, uh, or, or in professional speak, accountability, is usually designed to manipulate you. It's not used to motivate you. That's why I hate the A word, right? If you're responsible to something, that's a totally different feeling. Yeah. If you're accountable to something, we all wear politicians accountable, right? Mm -hmm. But you're responsible for this. They're going to get it done, right? Yeah. Open hand, open heart versus, oh, I feel like crap because I didn't do. Just let it go. Fine. You didn't do it that day. Start over. Do it again tomorrow. Good stuff. Good stuff. So I uh, think that covers systems and habits. Um, some of the things that you're doing that have made you successful. Uh, the final piece that I wanted to go into is, is your transitioning. So you've successfully transitioned now. Uh, I've seen several transitions and um, you've been able to uh, kind of start over, pick up again, and, and you just continue to grow each and every time. So I just want to, if you can share a little bit about your transitioning and some of the things you've learned from those transitions, and you're currently going through another, another transition, transition right as now. we speak. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, if you're not familiar with the word, transition is code for failure. Right? In, in, in corporate speak, it's failure. When you're on a job interview and you say transitioned out, that means they dumped you basically like girl girlfriend boyfriend speak they got rid of you so <laughs> let's talk through that a little bit um one there shouldn't uh, again back to shame there shouldn't be any shame around it but we carry the shame or we carry the defensiveness which is really pride mm -hmm. okay so that should just be the end of it right there hold that thought if you're in a place right now where you've either been you know canned from a job or uh, transitioned out or something was a loss and you had to go on to something else it could be divorce whatever mm -hmm. you generally are gonna have one or two feelings about that you're either defensive because it wasn't your fault or you've got shame because you realize it was all on you mm -hmm. one or the other um, maybe there's something in between uh, but most of the time that's where it's at now mm -hmm. Uh, the biggest transition of my life uh, wasn't becoming a father it wasn't becoming um, uh, married any of that stuff it was when I helped plant a church and inside of that church, uh, you know, we had never really thought we would not be there. It was the end game. It wasn't like retirement. We never thought about retiring. We just were going to be there forever. And then um, through a, a series of um, uh, ch changes, uh, both in the relationship that I had uh, with the church, uh, people, things like that, um, but also in how I interacted um, I worked my way out of a job called, see you buddy, thanks for all you did, but you gotta go now. Um, now if the people who 
you know, were a part of that, were watching this, they would think, oh, geez, I remember that, it kind of sucked. Um, the reality is now I don't really carry the burden from that anymore because I decided I wanted to deal with it, mm -hmm. okay? And so I think spending a few moments just on the thought of what do you do with your transitions? What do you do when you've been um, hurt, wounded, uh, or, or uh, self-wounded? Any of those can be the case, mm -hmm. right? Um, you can choose to blame, force, um, have your way, uh, put it on somebody else. Or you can look deep within and figure out what inside of you um, was a part of it and how can you grow past the pattern that you set up to cause that um, expectation gap. Mm -hmm. That's another word for failure, but expectation gap, right? What was it about you that couldn't carry on a decent conversation without ending up in a fight? You know, relationships do that all the time, yep. you know? And so I think it's vitally important that people do that introspection. Here's the thing, it, truth be told, most people don't. Um, one of the people uh, in one of my later transitions, you know, kind of had this thought, you know, you're like the only person that's ever done it. And this guy's been in a lot of different ministries. Mm -hmm. And that just blows my mind because I don't think I'm that special. I just think I was beat up enough that I went, oh, I should get a clue. Yeah. You know? Um, all right, so transitions. So we started that uh, that church, thought it was great, it was amazing, and then all of a sudden we we felt like the community, everything about it was ripped from us. And we were still allowed to have exposure to these people, but like you just couldn't stay, you had to go. Mm -hmm. They didn't say you had to go, but I knew I had to, I, no, I'm sorry, I can't stay, you can't. You can't get rid of me and then get the benefit of me hanging out. Right. I gotta go, bye, Felicia, right? <laughs> right. So then I'm in this sort of stage where I'm like, what am I? And I had to really dig in deep, and this is kind of a deep truth. I am not what I do. In my world, I'm loved by Heavenly Father no matter what um, I do for Him or what I do as a job. So right now I sell real estate. That doesn't make me any more or any less special than somebody who's on church staff. Um, I never believed because I was a quote-unquote associate pastor or ordained that that's, that somehow made me awesome. I just got off on the idea that I was helping others take another step towards Christ and that, I, that became an identity for me. Well, that's great and all, but your life can't be built on that because what if they don't take the next step towards Christ, right? My value shouldn't be placed in that. My value is based on who I am inside of um, my relationship with God, family, etc. So that's like my biggest takeaway. Then I ended up at a, uh, another church as a volunteer, um, and it was, it was there that um, I, I experienced another sort of personal growth where I was still working through blame, responsibility, but I hadn't quite gotten over to letting go of outcomes. Like, hey, if we're gonna want this church to grow, basically we find ourselves at this new church and we had been there from one pastor to another. Well, in the transition between the two pastors, you know, I felt like I had some experience in church planting and here this big, large church in North America, you know, what do they know about church planting? They plant a church and there's 1,200 people that show up the first day. Mm -hmm. They don't know anything about starting from scratch, right? This is all in my head, this narrative. Mm -hmm. So I had all these answers. Well, guess what? Nobody was really interested in my answers, mostly because they didn't have uh, respect for me. I wasn't really being respectable, right? Yep. I, I came off half-cocked and here's what you guys should do. Well, um, it wasn't until the next preacher came in, in that new church, um, that I formed a relationship with him, and then I thoroughly blew, blew that one up, because I was trying to tell him how to run groups, and he says, hey man, I really appreciate you, um, but I need you to step away from groups. So basically, I was fired twice, right? One from a paid role, and then second from a volunteer role. Mm -hmm. And I had a choice. Um, he said, could you finish running the group you're in right now, 
and then take some time off. Mm-hmm. And we, if you don't want to, we understand, right? He gave me an out. Mm-hmm. But uh, he t- basically said, I'd like you to still run this group. And I said, well, before I make any commitments, let me just like think about this for a second. And I reasoned to myself, I said, all right, if this guy who has been meeting with me one-on-one for months now, we have these great conversations, if he'll continue to meet with me, then that means he really believes in me. I'll finish out this group, no big deal. So I told him, I said, hey, I'll make you a deal. I'll keep doing this group if you'll keep meeting. He goes, are you kidding? I would meet with you no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And it was in that conversation right there, I said, okay, this is worth it. And then I decided that I wanted to be different and change the pattern, because I'm not gonna go to another church and start this over again. I'm gonna fix me there. And mm-hmm. uh, that brings us to where this transition is today, mm-hmm. um, which that church, as of, three days ago, mm-hmm. ceased to exist. It closed its doors and said, bye. Um, they um, basically, it just wasn't gonna be uh, solvent after a while because of the expenses in the school, charging more rent and all this stuff. And um, me and uh, that pastor had become extraordinarily close friends um, and the respect that we have for each other now because of that transition um, kind of goes to show that a transition can end very well. It really can. Uh, the other piece that David wants me to probably talk about is how do you get into a new industry, yeah, right? Real definitely. estate. I had done real estate previously, but it was for like buy, fix, sell junk houses. And now I found myself kind of going, well, how do I sell retail houses? Like mm-hmm. your mom wants to buy a house. How do I sell your mom a nice house? Right. Right. Yep. So I had to kind of relearn what that was. And in the time that I was doing that, I was still working through deep depression and I just still had to get up every morning and decide to walk it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And do you know something? If you just keep showing up, mm-hmm. just keep trying one foot in front of the other, no matter how crappy you feel, you got a hundred percent more chance of making it. That's awesome. If you don't show up, guess what? You got a hundred percent more chance of not making it. It's another nugget. Now things are, you know, stupendously different. It's great. Like, yeah. like already so far this year, we're set up to do as much as we did last year in the first quarter. Wow. Really close. Like. Yeah. It's, wow. It's great. So in that transition, uh, transitioning careers, uh, what were maybe one of the one or two things that you felt like really helped you? I mean, you you went through a lot of adversity. You've transitioned, like you said, uh, in the church world and then um, as a volunteer, as a uh, staff person. So a lot of change, a lot of transitioning. Uh, you know, Steve Jobs said, we can't connect the dots looking uh, forward. We can only do that looking backwards. So, you know, as you were in that transition, you couldn't see what was lying ahead. Um, that one um, that one little piece, you, you can look at the dots afterwards. Uh-huh. If you'd have told me that I stuck it out with this church and it would eventually close, I would have never stayed. Because okay. my ladder was on the wall of a church getting built into a big empire or whatever. Right. right? That was my ladder. Wow. And in in the video that I shot about uh, my sentimental moment of closing it down on Easter, Mm -hmm. I ended the video accidentally by saying, um, I'm so glad I got, um, I'm so glad I didn't get what I wanted, but I got this instead. Wow. Because it was such a rich, life-changing experience going, not going through the closing process, but going through the process of the relationships that we built and the desire to stick it out 
and to um, work on the me stuff yeah. rather than trying to fix everybody else because that was my role before yeah fix everybody else's problems yeah and then once I did that I would never have traded it wow yeah that's good yeah and on that nugget, we will wrap up our first Dash podcast. Thank you for checking it out and uh, look forward to uh, hearing your feedback. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you.